Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Braconis, McKenna, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kay, for reading that. I'm, I'm Adam Seed. I'm the lead pastor here at Orange, and I welcome you to this time of worship. And I am particularly thankful for Sundays like this when I have someone else that reads the scripture. You did a great job with those names. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to correct any of them. <laughs> so th today is a great day as we do get a chance to celebrate our Stephen ministers and the way that they serve this church and our community and the way that we are now able to celebrate a new Stephen leader and commission her as a part of this service. But thank you so much for being with us today. Let's go to God once again for a time of prayer. O oh God of grace and God of mercy, we give thanks for the opportunity to come to be together as one today, to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit continuing in this season, a celebration of Pentecost, the way that your Spirit has come and transformed us and made us new. And so in this time that we share together, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit might continue to be poured out, Trans. Uh, transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Back after I had finished my freshman year of college, I came back home that summer and, you know, after going through my first year of studies, I, I was looking forward to a summer of relaxation, sitting at home, not doing a whole lot, just relaxing. But my parents had a different work ethic. In fact, before I even got home for the summer, my dad had reached out to a member of the church that he was serving who owned a commercial paint company. And my dad told him, my son's going to be home for the summer. Would you have any work for him? 
And it just so happened that he did. And so I got home and I might have had a day at home of resting and relaxing before I had to show up for work. And I went to work in Greenville, North Carolina at the, this commercial paint company. And a lot of our work was industrial or even at apartment complexes, two, three stories. And so I was showing up and I was the youngest kid on the block. Not only was I the youngest one on the work team, as I was the newest one on the work team. That means I had to do all the work to get everything else ready for everyone. So I'd have to show up at the work site, at the, at the shop at first, and I'd have to load up all the paint and all the gear that we're going to need for the day into the van. And in fact, I'd then have to secure all the, the ladders on top of the roof of the van that we would be driving to the work site. And everybody else stood around and watched me. And, and the thing is, I was a skinny young man, believe it or not. I know some of you might have a hard time believing that, but trust me, I'm more of a man today than I was back then, <laughs> physically. And, at, and so I would struggle to put these ladders on the van and to secure them, and then we'd get to the work site, and all the rest of the work crew would stand around, and they'd watch me, and they'd chuckle as they'd watch me trying to maneuver these ginormous ladders, these extension ladders that would be able to help us to get to the rooftop of a third-story building, and I would be struggling and trying, and they would be chuckling and laughing the whole time. I was in over my head. It was more weight than what I could possibly bear. But they enjoyed watching it. In fact, they got a good kick out of it. Until, until this went on for a few days, until the boss man decided to show up at the work site and to see everybody standing around while I'm the one working around with this, walking around with this ladder, trying to get a step up on things. Step up. Just making sure who's paying attention today. And trying to get it fixated. And I think maybe the boss was concerned about insurance liability and the breaking of windows or something. Maybe he just felt compassion for me. But he told them that they needed to come and they needed to help set up all the ladders and everything. That it was more than what I could handle on my own. You know, sometimes we find ourselves carrying more than what we can do on our own. And when other people might be witnessing it or watching it, it feels so desperately alone. And that's the way I felt as I would try to maneuver the ladder and put it into the right position in a safe kind of way so that someone could get up there and to do the work that we had before us. I was in over my head. It was far more work than I possibly could have handled on my own. And so he came and changed things and had others come alongside so that I was not alone in my journey. We find ourselves in life so many times getting in over our head. Maybe things are more than what we can carry on our own. And it can feel so desperately alone. I think about that when I look at the book of Acts. As we read through the book of Acts, and in particular, after just having celebrated Pentecost, remember what took place on the day of Pentecost as the disciples were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound of a violent rushing wind. And then tongues of fire, tongues like fire, came and divided and rested upon the heads of each one of those gathered in that space. And suddenly they began to speak in tongues that were not their own. And so the Spirit led them out. And as they go out into Jerusalem, other people begin to hear them. They had already heard the sound of this, this violent rushing wind. 
But now they go out and they hear these people speaking in tongues of their own and that they understand. They're trying to discern what is taking place. Peter, if you remember, Peter then steps up and he begins to proclaim what it is that has happened. That how Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was the Lord and God. And yet they had crucified him, killed him, placed him in the tomb. But on the third day he had risen from the dead. And as people are listening to all of this, they are confused. And in fact, I love the scripture. We, we didn't touch on it last week, but I love it. When someone is confused by what's going on, they ask, what does this mean? And someone responds, surely they must be drunk with new wine. I always find that amusing, especially I find it amusing the way that Peter responds. Surely they're not drunk with new wine because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's not the greatest excuse. But he then goes on and proclaims, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the conclusion of this message, the scripture tells us that 3,000 people came to believe. They repented and they came to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in that day. One day, their numbers went from 12 to 3,012. And one day, and all of a sudden, their numbers are increasing. And as we continue to read through Acts, we see the things that are taking place in that moment, in those days following how Simon and, Peter, uh, Simon, Peter, and John were going to the temple to pray. And as they're going, they pass a lame man on the way who's asking for alms. And, and Peter says to him, silver and gold I have none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And this man who had been lame for all of his life, he's 40 years old, which is a young man, mind you. But he's 40 years old. He's been that way all of his life. People have passed by him. All this time, they've seen him, a lame man on the side of the road. And suddenly, he gets up. And I love the way that Luke records it. He is jumping and leaping and dancing and praising God. And he's going around wherever they are, jumping and leaping and praising God. And people are seeing him. And they're saying, that, that can't be the same person. God, can it? I mean, you can imagine that confusion. You've seen this person for so long, sitting on the side of the road, a lame man, and suddenly he is jumping, he's dancing, he's praising God wherever he may go. Well, this too has an effect upon people. Seeing is believing, as we've talked about recently. People see it, and they begin to be transformed. And so even more begin to come into the faith. We find those numbers growing by day. And in fact, the Sanhedrin, they, they can't handle it. The council can't handle this taking place. And so they have Peter and John arrested. They have them thrown into prison. And they give them all these kind of warnings and say, you must stop proclaiming the gospel, preaching in this name of Jesus. But they say, there's nothing you can do to make us stop. And so they continue. And even more numbers continue to increase. And you know what? In some ways, they probably were in over their head because we find ourselves here in the passage of Scripture that Kay read just a few moments ago for us. And in this passage of Scripture, we pick up something, a little bit of conflict. Imagine that. Conflict in the church? Have you ever heard of such a thing? People disagreeing in the church. Well, sure enough, there is this disagreement that is taking place here in the life of the church. That disagreement is centered around one of the foundational things of the ways that they treated one another within the community. They were called upon to take care of the widows 
And it just so happens that there's a group of widows, the Hellenistic widows. Hellenistic meaning that they're, they're Greek. They speak only Greek. They do not speak Hebrew. And yet there they are in Jerusalem. And they, this group of Hellenistic Greek-speaking Jews, the widows, they're not being tended to. They're not being provided for in the food distribution. The, the, the Jewish women, they, widows, they are being taken care of, the Hebrew-speaking ones. But this other group, they feel cast out. They feel left behind. There's nothing happening for them. You know, we have a way of doing that sometimes, don't we? having somebody overlooked, having someone seeming to feel left behind, and sure enough, they feel left behind. And so this complaint arises about the Hellenistic, the Greek-speaking Jewish widows that are not being provided for. So they come, they come to the apostles, and they raise this complaint, and the apostles decide that they need to get together and talk and pray about this. And in this moment, God speaks to them through the Spirit, and the Spirit helps them discern that what they must do, that it is important that they continue to maintain focus on the Word, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in prayer, holding up one another. That's what they see their giftedness. That's the way the Spirit has equipped it and sent them out into the world to do. But they decide instead of them taking on the task of feeding these widows that have been neglected, they're going to select seven people. Seven people are selected who are going to come alongside. They're going to take up this ministry. They're going to take up this ministry to be able to help provide so that all the needs are met. And so one of those that they select is Stephen. And Kay, would you recite all the rest of the names? You're good. Okay, okay. They select Stephen and then six others who take on this responsibility. The Spirit fills them so that they might meet the needs that have been unmet. So these people, Stephen and the others, are coming alongside. They're coming alongside to be able to meet a need that had not been met because it was too much. It was too much for the 12 to handle on their own. As those numbers continued to increase, it was too much of a burden. And so these seven were selected to come and to serve so that others might know that there is a God that is with them. Now, you know, when I think about this, a remarkable thing could have happened. The, the disciples, the apostles could have, when they heard this complaint, they could have said, you know what, you're right. We'll take care of it. And they could have set aside, instead of going out and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, instead of taking the time to be in prayer with one another, they could have said, you know what, we're going to neglect that so that we can make sure that the food is provided. Now, yes, that would have been an important thing. But how much glory would it have been given to God when they neglect doing the thing that God had sent them to do? They could have done it themselves. But it was even more important they were willing to let it go. To let that burden be borne by someone else who has come alongside them. So that God really could be glorified through the work that they share together. I'm reminded of in the book of Exodus. After Moses had led the people out of Egypt. 
Remember, he's led them through all this time. And when God gave this call to Moses, Moses wanted to argue and negotiate his way out of it. Uh, Who am I that you would send me? Uh, I'm not a good speaker. And God's like, oh, don't worry. I'll take care of that with your brother. He gives them every time that Moses tries to argue his way out of it or negotiate his way out of it, God answers that. And so Moses has gone reluctantly somewhat. And he has gone and he's ultimately led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And as they're in the wilderness, people have complained about being thirsty and God provides the water through guiding Moses how to do this. And God provides the food, the manna, the quail. And in the midst of all of this, everything that is happening is Moses is the leader of the people of Israel. People are coming to him because the spirit of God is upon him. And when they have a dispute or a conflict, they come to him and they ask Moses to resolve it, to settle it. And so, just so happens that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes for a visit. And they had the opportunity to fellowship with one another, and they spend this time. But Jethro witnesses that when Moses wakes up in the morning and he exits his tent, immediately he has to begin reconciling the differences that people have. He's dealing with this issue, and he's dealing with that issue. And all day long goes by that Moses is having to tend to these issues that people have brought. He's having to serve as the judge that pe- with the little things that people bring to him. Jethro witnesses this, how Moses is supposed to be the leader of all of Israel, and yet he's having to do all of this time spending as a judge overseeing even minor disputes. And so Jethro says to him, Moses, what you're doing is not good, for you will surely wear yourself out and these people. Jethro was able to identify that if Moses did not let someone else help carry the burden, it would burn out both Jethro and Moses and the people. And so sure enough, he counsels him to set up other judges over the issues. And so that only the major, major issues would be brought to Moses. And Moses, to be able to see this happen, Moses had to be willing to let it go, to let others come alongside to be on that journey with him. And for us, sometimes, that's a hard thing to let go sometimes, isn't it? When we're carrying a heavy burden, it's hard for us to let it go. But I am so thankful that as the body of Christ, we have people that come alongside that say, you don't have to carry this burden alone. And yet it's our pride that gets in the way so many times of letting it go. I mean, just this very morning, I had two opportunities as I was carrying something, including the kneeling bench and our own Barry. One of our Stephen ministers came alongside and said, Adam, can I help you carry that? And you know what I said? I got it. I'm good. (laughs) Two different opportunities as I was moving something. Barry's like, Adam, can I help you? And I'm like, I'm fine. It's hard to let it go because we think that we've got it under control. But in doing that, I wasn't enabling Barry to step in, to come alongside, to offer that help in that moment. It reminds me, I know I've told this story before, but I tell it again. Several years ago, Jennifer and I were away from home on a Sunday evening. And while nobody was at home for just a short period of time, a supply valve to a toilet upstairs popped out of the wall, sending water spraying everywhere. It only was, no one was home for about 20 to 30 minutes, but when Jennifer walked in, it was raining from the ceiling. 
And so in that night, once we got the water off, we were having to grab every sheet and every towel that we had in the entire house to try to soak up as much water as possible. Well, those in the church found out about what had happened, and someone in the church reached out and said, Adam, bring me your sheets and your towels. Bring me your laundry to the church tomorrow, and I'll do all your laundry for you. I said, oh, you don't have to do that. I'm good. She's like, no, bring it to me to the church tomorrow. I said, okay. But when I said okay, I really didn't mean okay. I knew I was just saying okay, but I wasn't going to do it. Because I, I can do that myself. I'm the one that helps other people. I don't need somebody to help me. I had that pride that had been built up. Well, so, sure enough, I show up at the church the next morning, and she shows up. And she said, where's my laundry? I said, well, you don't have to do that. She said, I know I don't have to do that. Where's my laundry? I said, well, look, I left it at home. Jennifer and I will take care of it. It'll be fine. And she looked at me, and I'll never forget the look that she gave me as she pointed her finger at my face and said, Adam, don't you rob me of a blessing. I said, yes, ma'am. I'll be right back. And I went home and got that laundry. And she took it, and she washed it, dried it, folded it, and brought it back. And in that moment, it was hard to let go. It was hard to let somebody else help me carry that burden. But had she not, man, I would have missed out on receiving a blessing myself. I received the blessing of that gift of her coming alongside, and she received the gift of being able to offer that service. Friends, today, you might feel like you have got so much that you are carrying, but you are so proud, and you don't want anybody else to have to help you carry it. Don't rob us of a blessing. There are Stephen ministers who have been trained and equipped, who have been preparing for that moment to come alongside you in this moment, to listen, sometimes to just sit in silence with you so that you know you are not alone. Don't, don't rob them of that blessing and don't rob yourself of receiving that blessing. And maybe today, not only do you feel like, maybe you don't feel like you're carrying too much. Maybe the weight's not too great for you to carry on your own. Maybe you feel one that is called to come alongside somebody else who is. Listen to that spirit. Let that spirit be poured out upon you in such a way that it does send you. So that you were a willing servant, willing to come alongside, just like Stephen and all the others came alongside those apostles to be able to see God's glory revealed there in Jerusalem so the numbers might be able to continue to increase. May you feel that spirit in such a way that sends you forth to come alongside somebody, help them carry a burden that they themselves can't carry on their own. They may not even know it yet, but may you be willing to listen to that spirit that sends you. I give thanks that here as the body of Christ, we're going to come alongside one another. And I thank all of those who have taken the time to be trained, to serve, to be able to serve as a Stephen minister and to continue to give witness to what our God does as he comes alongside us right in the time of need. Let us pray. Lord, your spirit calls us. Your spirit sends us. Your spirit frees us. Your spirit equips us. 
and in these moments as we have received your spirit. May we feel the strength that comes with knowing that we are not alone, that you are the one that comes right alongside us. You come in your spirit, but many times you come in the form of one from the body of Christ who comes alongside to help us carry our burdens. Today, Lord, I give thanks for the many ways that you have come alongside. And I give thanks for those servants here that are willing to do that. But for those in this place today or within the sound of my voice have been carrying a burden that is so great. Maybe they've been struggling while others idly watch. Lord, may they be equipped today with a courage to recognize they can let it go. That there are those that can come alongside them to help them carry that burden. That they are not alone. So may they find that strength to begin to let go today so that you might be glorified. So that we may not rob one another of a blessing. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.